Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Hello and welcome to Octavius Parables. This is Adrian Marie Brown. Hi, I'm Toshi Regan. And we are your hosts. And this week we're back for chapter 18. Um, But first, a couple of announcements. Um, And they're both sweet ones. So a few weeks ago, um, it became true. And we announced that Octavia had made it onto the New York Times bestseller list with this book, The Parable of the Sower. And I think we are all responsible for getting all of her other books onto the New York Times bestseller list. So um, we can start with the Parable of the Talents. (laughs) If you don't already have that one, start spreading the word that they come as a pair and they need to be read together. So they should be bestselling together. Yes. Um, So, so be it, see to it. I think that we can actually get all of her work onto the New York Times bestseller list if we put our minds to it, because we can do anything. And then I wanted to unveil one of the artists that is going to be doing the Octavia Butler Ursi Tarot deck. Um, So Krista Franklin and Crystal Clarity are the artistic directors who are pulling all these artists together. And I thought it could be cute each week to announce one of the artists that is going to be contributing. Um, So this week I'm going to announce that Damon Davis is one of the artists nice. who will be contributing art to the tarot deck. And I'm very excited about this project. Um, you know, what I love is that, again, the estate was like, hmm, Octavia wasn't, would not have believed in tarot <laughs> she knew at she all. She was really However, like that. <laughs> <laughs> However, um, since you are so enthusiastic, <laughs> um, basically, and and that it's a way to get more people engaging with the work, right? That's all it is. It's all like, what are all the delivery systems for this work? So I got permission. But I love that exchange that we had with Marilee. Like she, it was so sweet. They were like, mm, okay, I'm girl. Octavia. Sure. <laughs> if that's what you think is cute, then fine. Um, any announcements from you? <laughs> I'm just so tickled by that. Um, Me too. I, let's see. I don't know when this is going to happen, but um, we, we may have already past the election but will be a couple of things they'll uh-huh. still be online and one is my post-election show no matter what which i've yeah. done at joe's pub after every um presidential election and uh go yo remember obama got elected to be president of the united states <laughs> was I unbelievable i remember i was twerking on a cop car and there's there's footage of it so, that's yeah, right I'll you go that yeah <laughs> um so it's so interesting um but yeah we do this no matter what so no matter what i'll do it again it'll be uh live stream but then it'll be archived for about six weeks um so okay, great yeah people can see that Beautiful. And is there a time, any upcoming times when we'll be able to see another live stream of the opera? I've had a few people ask that. I know. Write us Everybody Patreon is asking, asking about, about it. You know. Um, You've got a hot ticket, darling. I know. We do have a hot ticket. And I would love to share it. And I think we're just going to respect the um, the state's um, generosity in letting us ah. show it when we when we did. And perhaps there will be 
another time. One thing I am working on, though, is a curriculum for um, all of these people who are teaching Parable of the Sower and Octavia's work. Um, and that curriculum will include um, some things from from the actual opera, but also some of the work that's been generated by us traveling. So several of the um, presenters or institutions have created so much work around parable that I think would be really interesting for people to see. Um, St. Kate's, there's a, a beautiful film, Janata and Aaron Sharkey and, <gasps> and a, that crew. I think you're even mm-hmm. in it around the... Uh, it's quite possible. Yeah, the <laughs> like, impact of... Yes of parable um, in collaboration with uh, St. Kate's. And there's lots of things like that because it's, it goes on and on and on. So we're, we're hoping to deliver a curriculum that people can use to, to teach the book. And then this podcast will be a part of this. And I've, I've told a lot of people like, you know, do the, do the podcast and um, also spirit house and, and North Carolina did an an amazing um, book read of parable of the sower. So it's like, I would love to include some of these tools that have um, already been built around the work. It's not the same as seeing the show, but it really demonstrates the wide range of actually getting Octavia's um, on a theatrical stage, wide range of ways that different communities have used um, the opera being in their community. So and um and who knows? Excellent. I'm waiting for that parable of the sower movie that I hope um will manifest and some by someone brilliant that we all really love and and really hope to do a great job at. All right, love. So bring us into chapter eighteen. What is our earth seed wisdom? All right. Once or twice each week, a gathering of earth seed is a good and necessary thing. It vents emotion, then quiets the mind. It focuses attention, strengthens purpose, and unifies people. Mm-hmm. 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 And this is Earthy, the Books of the Living, Sunday, August 8th, 2027. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And what happens? What are we, well, they, what are we living into now? Um, you know, basically, we are, like, experiencing them having some downtime if you can call it that, they yeah. they look for uh, a beach um, so they can camp for the day and night and be comfortable. And I feel like that is worthy of saying that we have left the highway to find a beach where we could camp for the day and night and be comfortable. And I just feel that is such an extraordinary thing. And when I first read that, I was like, what? <laughs> How can you be comfortable? Yes. <laughs> like everything is ruined. <laughs> and they're like, exactly. no, we, we are here now and we are going to have some comfort. We're going to rest. We're going to get to know each other. Um, so basically, this is where the Douglases and the original trio start to talk to each other, start to share and re- reflections. And we get to learn more about Ursi. Lauren finds herself kind of the odd person out between two couples. Uh, you know, fifth wheel. Yes. But you learn a lot of things. One, they end up at the Santa Barbara Beach. There are some signs that things have been burned. You learn about the paints, more about uh, the origin of it. And, um, and people talk to them 
And these are people who have homes yeah. and who have decided to like go to the beach for the day. And uh, yes. I remember first reading a book that was so surprising to me. I was like, wait, people at home and going to the beach. Yes. Um, and trying, yes. you know, and trying to be like, you know, regular. And, uh, but remember, remember when it was like the huge typhoon and, um, and it was devastating and it was yeah. epic. And then there were like people still trying to come and have their vacations that they already booked. Um, oh, yeah. And were showing up oh, and like yes. wondering why like there weren't enough staff at a hotel or something. I, Yes. I don't surprise us to, you know, kind of overstand every kind of emergency issue and be like, but we're going to go to the beach and we're still going to enjoy we're ourselves. Still gonna enjoy ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but they, yeah. they talk to them and, um, and I love this where they just say, uh, no one knew where the fad of painting yourself and getting high on drugs and fire had come from either, but most people suspected it had begun in Los Angeles, where, according to them, mm. most stupid or wicked things began. Local prejudice. <laughs> I didn't tell any of them I was from L- the L.A. area. I just smiled and asked about the local job situation. And mm. that's the other thing that that kind of is an accumulative message, which is like there are not really jobs for money. Like there are jobs yeah. for sleeping, there's jobs for other kinds of things, but to get your own money so that you can go do something, save money and get somewhere else is not is not really available. They learn more about Travis and Natividad and that Travis is actually brilliant. Travis's mm-hmm. mom um was a was a writer, was uh worked at a newspaper, did all of these amazing things. And when his father died, um, she wasn't able to keep the house and she ends up um, being like the person who cooks and cleans at this other couple's house. And that couple Mm -hmm. has a library and then she stole the books from the library to teach Travis how to read. Um, So it's Mm -hmm. and he grew up in that in that place until he his mom died and then he had to um, he had to move on with his family. His mom sounds extraordinary. Uh, so beautiful. So ancestral. Yes. Ugh. And she taught him to love himself. She taught him that he had to build a life. And she told him he had to love someone else. And all of these mm. um, all of these things are really uh, beautiful uh, messaging coming up their family line. And um, we learned that water is, is extremely expensive in that area. In Santa Barbara, more than what it was when they left home, and there are just beautiful, big earthy conversations, uh, yes. especially between um, Travis and Lauren. But there, there are just a bunch of things that poke out, and maybe that's enough of me summing up, so we can can uh, can go <laughs> experience with that because that's the like beautiful, nerdy, amazing world. That's the nerdy, gorgeous. That's the stuff. nerdy, gorgeous. I mean, I. You know, I love Travis as a character. I have always been able to, I've always felt like I can really see Travis. Like I've met Travis in the Bay. I know who this person is. I know who this, you know, beautiful, quirky, intelligent mom is. Um, And I love the questions and the ways he interacts with her that in a lot of ways, he's the first person she brings into her seat mm-hmm. and like ideologically brings in and, I love that one of his first concerns is that this stuff is not comforting. You know, he says that to her, your stuff is not comforting, um, which Octavia said, 
in about her about this work. And she was like, well, I don't know if our seed could ever actually work as a religion because it's not comforting enough. Um, but then in this book, Lauren says it is after a while. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that because I that's been my my lived experience of it is at first it's like, what? <laughs> There's no human being out there. There's no humanoid like creature looking after me. Right. And then it becomes so comforting to just be like, oh, I'm a part of a living universe that is always changing. Yes. Um, which I can shape and that capacity to shape that invitation into relationship, I find so comforting to my spirit. Um, and I also love how Travis engages with the whole the whole idea of God as an idea of change. Mm-hmm. Oof, you know, versus a person. Because I think that that's the first big, you know, once you, it's like one of those things, once you've seen that, once you've felt that, once you've experienced that, you, it's very hard to go back from it, actually. Right. But when you first get introduced to the idea, it's such a up is down, right is left mm-hmm. kind of thing that your mind has to do. Like, wait, I was told this as a person and I've anthropomorphized the divine. Mm-hmm. And now I'm being invited to actually honor what is in the world, the intelligence of all nature and of the process of change and Harry in this scene, I, I love that Harry shows up and it's like, it's actually like the second law of thermodynamics. Right. <laughs> Just like, um, actually it's science, which, you know, to me is, is a lot of what I think has happened. You know, emergent strategy is really like this is seeded in earth seed and grows up out of it. And um, I find that that's the thing that, pe- that comforts people is like, there's a science to this divine construction that we're a part of. Um, and that can be a really comforting invitation. So, yeah, I I love these conversations. And I love the idea that in the wake of so much tragedy and change and crisis, just the idea of them getting to sit and be in the realm of the philosophical um, as survival tool. Yeah, I feel like this is that's a really important, um, important thing to happen. Um, this, these kind of gatherings and conversations. And I find that as much as I'm, um, like engaged with communication with people, I don't know that I'm doing it enough. Like this kind of Mm. at home, like, let's just be really comfortable and discuss things and, um, beyond the check-in, Hey, are you breathing? You know, do you you need Uh anything? Um, Mm -hmm. but what about this time and what about what we know about it and what about where we're going? And, Mm -hmm. um, in that, way of being at a beach and and talking and eating as opposed to like being in a meeting and strategizing yes and which are all really really important um places to be but i think it's it's so powerful that you know you to get handed your existence in the light of the universe like it is it's like almost like you know and i know i love i love thinking about heaven and I love thinking about God. And I love, I, I, you know, I love that my mother was like, you figure out what you're going to do. And if you want to get baptized, I'll help you out. Like, you know, but I, but I, I, <laughs> She's like, I could give you a ride. I can give you a ride. You know, <laughs> and, and I love, yeah. um, I love, I love all of it. But I also am like, Octavia is almost like, it's not actually big enough for you that the capacity mm. of all of these things kind of exist in your hands. And I have a song mm. called This Could Be Heaven. 
And it's like, we're, mm-hmm. we're already here. Like, <laughs> this, look how, this is literally the only place for us to be in the universe that is made for us. Like, you don't have to put on some other kind of equipment. This is, this is our place. Yes. And the worse we treat this place, the more problems we have. So it's almost yeah. like she's handing, she's handing you the the innovation and realness of the universe and saying, no, look, why are you looking over there? Like, oh, when I die, something. She's like, no, right now, like right why you're now, alive right, right now. Like, look, mm-hmm. look at this place. Like, and um, you know, as I said in the last chapter, it's, here's another before before opportunity for us in our right now to take yes. extremely seriously how this place is, is actually our place and everything, everything it's, <laughs> you know, and we're amongst the stars. And you know, I always say that I'm like, we are amongst the stars. We are amongst the stars. To root here where we are. <laughs> we yes. are amongst the stars. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, let's see, I was like trying to find this place where Lauren, all right, you say something amazing and I'm going to keep looking for it. well i will say the thing about worship because one of the conversations they're in is it also really transformed my relationship to worship and prayer and she talks about that religion isn't or shouldn't be for worshiping supernatural authority figures Mm. but for how we deal with ongoing reality and that it's only useful if it steadies people who can also then take action to resolve their problems Right. So it's that belief initiates action, belief initiates and guides action where it does nothing. And this one, I, I find I've been coming up with little earthy ditties, like little earthy like loops for myself. And that's such a big one is that if your worship and your belief and what your energy, your divine energy is pouring out, doesn't actually move you into actions that are aligned with the universe, then I think it's a questionable act. Right? right, I think you're in a questionable location related to the divine. And I think that the goal should be 
to be in a sacred relationship with what is, because what is, is so outstanding. It's so outstanding. It's so miraculous. It's so incredible. It's so complex. Yes. If we turned all of our attention to how remarkable this world is and getting in right relationship with it, I think we would be as engaged and as interested as we are currently in the destruction cultures and the patterns of um, taking, taking, taking and numbing, 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 right? It's like, it's actually the world is so fascinating and being alive in it is such a rewarding um, endeavor. So I love that. And I love the idea that it's comforting to be able to shape change. Um, I love that Lauren is starting to look at these people as the beginning of an earth seed community. Yes. And that she's, she's getting the nourishing, like it's such a nourishing thing to sit and talk with someone who's asking questions, but not making fun of her in any way. He just wants to understand as much as he can. And she really has that sense that the questions are really good, which again, reminds me of Grace Lee Boggs, reminds me of so many people over the years who have invited us to see conversation itself and asking questions itself as a crucial tool for how we develop our shared sense of what we can build in the future, what we can make together. Mm. Yes. And I, I found... Uh, I found you found it. Yeah, which I think goes along with she says the destiny of Earthseed is to take root amongst the stars. That's the ultimate Earthseed aim and the ultimate human change short of death. It's a destiny we'd better pursue if we hope to be anything other than smooth skinned dinosaurs here today, gone tomorrow. Our bones mixed mm. with the bones and ashes of our cities. And so what? So he's like space, Mars, and he's like beyond Mars, other star systems, living worlds. And uh, Travis basically tells her she's crazy. And Lauren says, I know it won't be possible for a long time. Now is a time for building foundations, earthy communities focused on destiny. After all, my heaven really exists and you don't have to die to reach it. The destiny of earthy mm. is to take root amongst the stars or among the ashes. And then she, for dramatic effects, points to a burned out area. <laughs> so. Exactly. She's like, like right now, this isn't working. This, isn't working. <laughs> this is not actually working um, right now. Mm-hmm. And then later, just just on the next page, she says, Earthseed is being born right here on Highway 101. So... Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And, you know, I think this uh, speaks so much to the normalization that happens where people keep normalizing themselves in worse and worse conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that even now people are like, this might be the end of our country. This might be the apocalypse or whatever. And it's like, those things have actually already ended. We're in the transition. Like that's kicked off already. Mm-hmm. These so much of this is we're no longer in normalcy. And one of the things that stands out to me so much is when they first go to the beach, they see dead bodies laying around and it's like very normalized. And I think about that right now, that we are surrounded by um, so much death, and but it, it keeps getting normalized. Yes. As, oh, now everyone's just grieving someone or these numbers make sense in a given day. These numbers make sense in terms of people being killed by the state at this pace. Yes. And, that stuff just gets so normalized until you're not really in touch with reality. 
and how so much of what she's saying is like, we can get in touch with reality. And from that place, there's a destiny available to us. Yeah. And I find that we conform and, and support these destructive systems by creating inside of them a moment of survival and yes. and not addressing like what just happened. And yes. like, you know, I, I think I said in the last chapter, like these debates, like why are, are we participating in them? When we have As all the, it's all normal. like we already have any, all the information about like who this person is, those of us, those who are undecided, like they, the, the <laughs> cause like I keep laughing, I'm having hysterical laughing, but I'm like, those who are undecided, like really do we, <laughs> these debates are not going to help them. And these debates are a bullhorn for the president. Like every, every time, right. like, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Every time he gets, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Every time, that's all it is. It doesn't matter. He doesn't care. And the people who are responding to him are basically this. It's like he's firing up the team and telling and like like announcing what they're going to do in front of everybody. And we're like, can you believe he said? You know, the, oh come exactly. on, like it's stop like, it. Yes, like I can. I would love to see to. zero ratings for the next debate if they actually do it. I would like to see Z I, yeah. a turning, a tu- a standing on a chair and turning our backs. On the farce. Yes. You know. Finding a way to do that. And I think there's something, you know, I've seen this a few times where people are talking about like, this is actually someone we need to censure. Like, this is the kind of person who, um, every time he talks to the news, you know, every time he make every time he has any public space, yeah. it is a rally in which he is building um, a nefarious and, and really wicked sentiment in the country. Yeah. And- so I really appreciate that. And I also think there's something really powerful about who are the people who are calling in destiny right now, you know, thinking about who are the people like yourselves who are like, I'm a prophet in this time and I can see in this time and I can see the truth and the emperor is wearing no clothes. And uh, yeah, I, I think that role is so important of being like, we don't have to engage, Yeah. which I actually saw a lot of people and I see a lot of people right now being like, we do not have to keep playing this game. Nope. We can bring all of our attention to our own work and to defending our own work, which I think is a liberating invitation right now. Um, I also want to highlight before we move into the questions that, um, in this chapter, you know, she starts to feel, Lauren starts to feel that Travis is her first recruit and Zara is her second. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about the way that she views Zara is Zara is very not tuned into the outer space part of Lauren's vision. Yeah. Um, you know, she's like, that's cool and all, but I'm mostly interested in what you said about being a community where people are taking care of each other that really speaks to what Zara feels like she's been missing mm-hmm. and what she's longing for. And that feels important to me that Lauren starts to see like, oh, I need to be expansive enough for people to come and take what they can, like show up, believe in what they can believe of this. Um, but that that gathering of earth seed is actually the key. Like yeah. if you're here and we're taking care of each other, we can start to be in an ongoing conversation to foment these ideas and build common understanding. Yes. Which I love. She's not like, well, if you don't like the space part, you're not part of this, <laughs> you know? She's just like, okay, that's cool. It's a lot. It's a big idea. This is a different way of thinking. And in that way, 
it feels like Lauren respects herself. Right. You know, she respects herself and her own thinking. She's like, I, you know, I am observing something. I am just noticing what feels true and I am sharing that with you. And so I don't have to argue it. Yeah. With you. Yeah. It's just this, this is, <laughs> and we will, we need to get in right relationship with what is. Yes. So, yeah, it comforts me. Yeah. It comforts me. Yeah. I, I love Zara so much. And I, and I think, um, I have this song called There Are, and it was kind of a tribute to my parents, um, and their, mm. their activism, but that I was like, there's one part and it was right before or right after year 2000. Oh my God, I've been doing this so long. Um, but we, you know, when the people were like, we have to, you know, everything's going to collapse because the clocks on the computer are not going to change oh, right. over. And so people were like, um, hiding everything. We were like, so terrified that, you know, the terrible things are yes. going to happen. And, um, and even people who didn't believe it were like, oh, let me just get some extra canned things and some just in because <laughs> I don't know everything, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is this part of understanding that there's people around amongst us who actually know more than we do about where we think we are and that they're yes. the people that you don't always access for information until you are are side by side with them. And, you know, that's and true. if you're side by side with them, you're in trouble. Right. And that's, that's right. like, you know, Lauren would have never met been close to Zara if she wasn't in trouble, if she wasn't in even more trouble than she felt like she was in. And then she's like, and here's this person who's kind of like community. If you got to steal some peaches, you're going to steal them. Like, you know, I know how to strip a body Mm -hmm. for good. Like all of these skills. I know which way we should go. I know blah, 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 blah. I have a really strong instinctual way of moving through the world. And I know... And her relationship to like what is good and what is bad is completely different because it was bad when she was with her mama and living on the streets for 15 years. And it was decent when she had a house, even though she was sold into that house. Um, The level of violence in her life actually went down and she was fed consistently and she got and she had a baby that she loved. So it's it's yeah, all of that. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, It's almost you know, I feel like she constantly makes a case of like, you actually don't know what's good and bad when you sit inside of privilege. Mm. Like it's, it's harder to actually see. Um, You can complain about conditions that are actually incredible and not, not feel gratitude or value them. Um, And then you cannot understand like, what are the things that really matter? Love, family, caring, for each other. And I love that Zara just keeps bringing that home. She's like, this is what matters. This is what matters. And that's what you're trying to do. Then I'm with it. Yeah. You know, this is what matters. And yes, you can have all of the dreams, you know, year 3000 dreams that you want. <laughs> you need to know. Yeah. Just like, go all out, honey. Go, but like, go ahead, are you going to feed each other? Cool. <laughs> Will there be nourishment? You know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's beautiful which is true i mean i feel like that's one of the the hearts of my organizing experience has been that piece of of <laughs> i feel like when i was very young going out and being like we're inviting you to this meeting and here's all the ideas that we're going to move and you know just going down the line and then having people respond like will there be food yeah 
okay, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, are you going to take care of my basic needs? Okay, cool. Exactly. And will you listen to me? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll come to that. Um, and I feel like it took years for me to realize, like, let me start with the food. <laughs> let me start with, like, here's what's going to be available. Here's how we're going to take care of each other's bodies mm. and minds. And, um, and you know, then maybe we'll get some strategy stuff done. But first, we actually have to get in the door and get to know each other. And that getting to know each other is best done through the work of care. Mm-hmm. Um, for so long, I thought it was through the work of strategy. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, now I would say that the work of strategy can keep people from knowing each other um, if it's done before the relationship building is done. Oh, so. my goodness. You said a word right there. And I think it ties. Mm. <laughs> I think that ties back to like the beginning of this conversation, which is like our awareness mm. of of, you know, our conditions changing and actually taking note of it and being reactive to it. If you yes. all of a sudden are seeing like dead bodies around you and you're not like actually changed or shifting by that, but just like, yep, I knew that was going to happen. Or, you know, yeah. even with the debates, yep, I knew he was going to do that. Yep. You know, but yeah. what is the action that goes with the the knowledge and what do you need? Mm. What do you need to be able to surface and hold what you actually know? And that's great. And I think that gathering, that gathering situation is proper. Thank you, Octavia. Yes, it's so good. Well, I love this because that pivots us right into the questions. Because my first question is like, what is your earth seed gathering? What is your weekly place that you return to um, where you know you can? come together with others, build, deepen, um, find comfort, you know, bring yourself in. And I like the idea that not everyone has to be a part of the same earthy, you know, mm-hmm. larger body, but it can be lots and lots of small gatherings that it's just like, as long as you're in one, um, I feel like I'm in a couple of little earthy gatherings. Now the pandemic has kind of made that a norm, right? There's just rhythms of togetherness that I need to be in. And some of them are places where ideas are pushed. And some of them are places where other things, you know, relationships and care are attended to. Mm. Um, Do you have earth seed gatherings? Do you have something that's like your equivalent of that? I do. But I feel like it's not really a weekly thing. You know, it's not Uh it's not regular. And I've been been feeling like I want it to be more regular. And um Mm. So this conversation really helps me to to be like, let me just call out a little bit and see if anybody wants to join me on this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and you're my Earthseed gathering. This is this <laughs> is such an Earthseed gathering. I just feel like getting right together with you each week now has become that space for me where I'm like, I'm gonna get to talk about Earthseed. Yeah, and I want to go. So I want to go go to like you know the Earthseed places. You know, I can't mm-hmm. wait that I've I've found in my travels. So yes. there's several excited. Yes, several to be grounded. Like, see you in Durham. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> so the second question for me is how are you with questions around belief? With questions around belief. So do you ask these kind of questions often? Um, and by that, what I really am asking is are you still in touch with your curiosity around different beliefs? Mm. Um, are you still in touch with it? And when people ask you about your own beliefs, do you answer honestly? 
Do you answer comprehensively? Are you able to say what you do and don't know inside of that? And maybe a final piece in that realm is are also, are you able to teach others about your beliefs without condescension? Mm. So I feel this presence in Lauren of the willingness to just say, here's what I have to offer and we can have some conversation around it. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to sell you anything. Right. I just want you to know what I know, what I feel, what I offer. Um, and it seems like, you know, the responses she gets are from people who don't feel condescended to, but engaged. And um, I want to take accountability here that I feel like I'm not so great at that right now. Under the pressures of these current conditions, I do find myself a little like, if you're not already here, like I can't deal with you. Um, and trying to actually soften and slow myself back down mm. to um, maybe I don't know every single thing about my opposition. <laughs> you know, maybe I can't fully write off yes. everything. You know, I feel like I do answer those questions honestly when they come to me, but I still think that there's some like, seat overall, you know, energy that I need to, to soften and just be like, actually, this is just true in a way that I don't need to feel that, def- you know, condescension is a way that we are defending ourselves proactively. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, oh, I don't need to defend this. I just need to be with it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's really beautiful that you say that, you know, my one of my first lessons that I didn't know everything was when I was really little and my mom took me grocery shopping and I mean I maybe was three and she was like get the blah 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 off the shelf and then I was like you know and I'm looking and I'm like it's not there and she's like get the blah 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 Mm -hmm. off the shelf and I go back and look and it's like it's not there and I'm like it's not there I don't see it and then she said did you look down and then, and she's like, did you look up <laughs> and did you look side to side oh, and did you turn around and look at the other shelf? And then I came back and I was like, I found it. I can't reach it, but I know where it is. And But there it is. And there it is. Oh, and sweet, <laughs> sweet never, baby Toshi. I like, <laughs> thought I know everything. I'm like, girl, did you look down? <laughs> Did you look up? Did you look side to side? Did you look across the way? Do you need help reaching it? (laughs) I love that. I really love it. I know. I love my mom so much. (laughs) It's good learning. It's such good learning. And I like have to practice it almost every single day. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Mm, I am still learning that lesson. You know, I feel like uh, this, that piece around like, did you actually, even, do you even know how to look? Mm. Do you even know how to look beyond your own initial perception? Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge, it's a huge practice again to be in. Um, and I find myself, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't have to go start at the exact opposite. Like, I don't have to be like, how do I understand the beliefs that are the most oppositional to mine? Yeah. I can start, you know, just two shades over, yeah. right? Like, I really want to understand staunch monogamy right where people just like cannot imagine that your needs can be met by more than one person in their life or something i'm like okay can i still have curiosity Mm -hmm. around that perspective right um so i really appreciate um how she's exploring this um there's a few more questions 
One is what is the connection between your beliefs and your actions? What is the connection between your beliefs and your actions? Um, are they connected, right? Or are your beliefs, this is going to sound a little shady, but it's like, are your beliefs for the internet? And then your actions are just like, you know, how you're living your life. Right. Um, are your beliefs basically performative or are they the thing that actually puts you into motion? Mm-hmm. And um, how can you continue? I think of that as integrity. Is that what you believe and what you do are, are one motion? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, how can you keep growing the integrity between what you say you believe and what you actually do? Yes. And then this one is a harder one, but I wonder about the presence of the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. And the question that occurs to me with it is, do you think that actually seeing dead bodies in public, all around, would that make us more accountable? Um, and can we imagine in our current condition that that could become normal? Because I, I think a lot of what's happening right now is we're in our homes, so we hear sirens or we might hear some indication or we see numbers, mm-hmm. but we're not having to actually contend with the physical. We're not in the morgue. Yeah, We're not with the bodies. Um, so it's just a question, I think for some self-reflection of like, what can you, how can you imagine moving through that? Um, how can you imagine as they do finding themselves on a beach, having philosophical conversations when there's bodies down the one way or the other? Yeah. Like you, I mean, I, that's such a good question because I think I, I, you know, I've been wondering if it's a part of, of human capacity of existence that we we do something with our brains to be functionable inside of like extreme stress and strain that's like that starts to challenge um our um, i wonder everybody can hear this helicopter is like right over my (laughs) (laughs) i don't hear it you know oh my god maybe the people will hear it it's so uh, that one was actually very 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 close Oh, wow. Like, what is the purpose? Um, yeah, but I think that, like, I'm really retaining my annoyance at helicopters. I'm refusing to get used to them um, because they're a sign of trouble. Don't get used to them. Yeah. Do not. But I, I wonder mm-hmm. if there's, like, that's an activation I have to have. And I think, like, what about activations that are continuously putting you inside of situations that are so dangerous that you 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 actually are like okay there can be dead bodies on this street but I can't think about that all the time I don't actually know yeah I think there's not anything I can do about it from where I am so I'm going to you know I'm going to go into this other direction and and just know that that's a part of what happens in the same way that we're functional functioning many of us with like a concentration camps full of children and people and hysterectomies and and, like, and we're like, you know, we're going to do what we got to do today. And some of us are doing activation around that and doing what we got to do today. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, but I do like, Oh, okay. Where is this at now? What is, what is happening now? What can I do now? Um, But I don't know if that was like right next door to me. Yeah. You know, like I don't know how how I would 
how I would, what I would do physically and spiritually to be in some kind of like state of, of, you know, being Toshi and that, that it's not like right next door to me, like that the building detention center is not right there. Um, right. We had to rent a car by a uh, jail in Brooklyn the other day. And it was like, you know, you could just see a police person go down this long thing, long like driveway walking and then mm. another one come walking. And then it just was like a row of five black women being arrested like that just came like one came and then another came mm. and they were different ages and in different conditions. And I was like, I got to go. <laughs> I was I ah. just was like, I, I can't deal and, um, you know, the process of it was really hard to withstand the, the, you know, everything about it would just felt really, really wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do I do? You know, <laughs> set those women free. Like, I was just like, and I, I yes. finally was like, I'm about to do something stupid and I, and that's not going to be helpful. And let me get, get away from here. As yeah. it is a, it is a. It is it is something to to think about and to you know to activate now and yeah. in the hopes of like to me pushing down an escalation of violence mm. that is 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 wanting to surface. Yeah, and you know, I think I think it's really interesting too. It's like so much is surfaced. I I feel like so much is actually happening. Um, that there's a real question around like, what is my capacity to be with violence? Mm -hmm. What is my capacity to actually be of use? And I feel like this is something I learned years ago when I was much more active in direct action mm -hmm. realms is I, I don't have a huge capacity to interact with cops. Like I'm not a good cop liaison type person um, because I really am like, I don't understand yeah. And it hurts me that I don't understand. And from that hurt, I get angry. And then I something else snaps and it's not strategic. And actually, it may bring more harm to the people that I'm trying to support. Right. So I'm always thinking like, well, how how do I, you know, how do I support and donate to the Black Direct Action um, work that's happening that Blackout is doing? And how do I support the work that Ruckus is still doing, mm -hmm. others are still doing, um, recognizing that being on that front line in that way is not my best offer. Mm -hmm. um, and then when does that change? Right. right. And I think that's the question of, you know, in this moment, there's things that I find myself doing that I never would have expected to do, although they're, they're not difficult tasks, but I'm like, I would, no one could have told me that I would have come and spent four months living with my parents voluntarily. Um, you know, I love them to pieces, but I'm a grown woman. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just like, I like to live in my own house with my own kitchen and stuff. But, you know, so there's things like that, right? It's like, oh, the adaptation came because all these people were dying in that my parents' vulnerable age group. And I needed to come and be around them yes. and take care of them and support them. Yes. And it was very easy to make the adaptation when the time came. Um, and now, yeah, and I just wonder all the time, I'm like, okay, what other adaptations are possible for me mm -hmm. in my lifetime? How do I relinquish the language of never mm -hmm. or always? Um, because 
<laughs> now the conditions keep changing. And I have lived in, when I lived in New York, you know, I remember having this thought about homeless people and how when I first moved there, you know, and I feel like it was a, my naivety was showing, right? When I first moved there, I always had a bowl of money change, you know, small change when I left the house. And I was always like trying to take it and bring it to everyone. And I really noticed um, for the first several years that I lived there, I really noticed anytime I would see a homeless person on the street. And I remember at some point noticing that that had shifted for me um, and that I was starting to sort of see through people Mm -hmm. and go about my business, go about my day. Um, And after that, I, that's when I decided to move. <laughs> that was one of the contri- contributing factors as I was like, I can no longer be with the scale of this place. I can't, I can't handle what it feels like to not be able to be with the humanity of all the people here, <laughs> you know, mm. like I can't handle it. I can't, I, I don't want to become numb to it and it's what's happening here. Wow. Um, and you know, now I live in a different place and it's like, there's still people suffering there, but the scale of it is different. And, you know, um, I can handle it. I'm in relationship with the homeless people in my neighborhood. You know, it's like, it's, I can handle the scale and yeah, but I do. Yeah. I think about this all the time. It's like, okay, what are the very small radical steps, the small radical moving my attention to where it needs to be that put me in alignment with what I say, I believe. Yes. And I think that leads me to the very last question, which there's this thing that Lauren says, she talks about fishing the river of people on the highway and that Jesus was a fisherman and that she starts to understand herself as someone who's a fisher person, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it's like, I am fishing. I'm going to find the people along this journey. And so my question is, are you a fisher of people or are you willing to be a fish to the right fisher person? Mm. And I think both are noble roles. I think both are necessary roles to be someone who's finding others and to be someone who's found. Um, so that's my last question. Oh, you know what I thought about is like, yeah, but what happens when you found, are you then going to get like your head chopped off and fried in a kettle? I love that because, you know, I love that that's where you go because I go to like, oh, I can be of use. I can be of no, nourishment. I'm like, I know people. what happens like, with fish. Be, the, you're like, don't chop off my hand. The, the fish got caught uh, and they got fed whole. to people. <laughs> Do not serve me with my eyeballs either. Um, everybody's got different fish. <laughs> so. Um, uh, probably wasn't helpful to that question, boo. <laughs> No, you know what? I'm here for it because what I want is the honest responses that people have. Mm. And if your honest responses don't cook me, then that says a lot about And leave me in the water so I can breathe. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I want to be alive. I want to be alive to help. (laughs) Well, then, so actually, this is a great thing. What would be the other metaphor? What would be the metaphor for what it is that she's doing? The finding, the gathering, Mm. the harvesting, the the you know, bringing in, calling in, bringing in. I mean, I like what we are always saying and, and what has been used is that she's seeding, you know, and mm-hmm. she's, she's seeding. Mm-hmm. And when, when, some, you know, and with the song, sower song is you're, you're always seeding. And when you seed, mm-hmm. like 
sometimes the birds get to it and they eat the seeds and they don't go, nothing grows. And um, sometimes they fall on rocks and sometimes there's not <gasps> enough. We have that song, yeah, we can. Sometimes there's not enough water. And, um, but that the practice of the seeding is that one day, um, you know, things will start to grow. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out to sow her seed. A And I love, I love that because it means the journey is that you're, you're on a, you're on a path and the path is, you know, it's almost like it's not a negotiable path. Like this is what is needed and this is what I need to do. But inside of that, the joy in this chapter, when she has like seeded through her generosity, through her sharing, through, through her openness, through her collaborations with each of the people she has seeded this idea of community. And then when it starts to actually become a conversation about earth seed is when she's like, okay, now we have begun. And yes. so I, I, now it's real. Now it's, yeah. you know, now it's real. So mm-hmm. I like that seed seeding and harvesting. I like that too. Although when I put on my wheat self or my kale come self. through at the end you're still gonna get ate up <laughs> like yeah, someone is you, still gonna pull your roots and everything you could so. also end up being like you know mm. a bamboo woven into a basket it could be a bamboo <laughs> that just grows everywhere or my favorite watermelon mm-hmm. which is that like you you get eaten but Ooh. your vines are so powerful that they yes. like actually make a journey around everything in the garden And then, I mean, that's where the great erotics of the cycle of life come in. It's like, eat me, eat me. I will continue to flow. I will continue to give. I will continue to be right. There we go. You can, there's enough. (laughs) So, hello. Yes, hello. Love these questions. Octavius Parables is hosted by Toshi Regan and myself, Adrian Marie Brown, produced by Kat Aaron. And our show art is by Krista Franklin. Music for this episode of Octavia's Parables Podcast, Always See the Stars, written by Toshi Regan, performed by Toshi Regan, There's a New World Coming, written by Bernice Johnson Regan with additional lyrics by Toshi Regan, performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower, lead vocals by Shana Smalls, and This Could Be Heaven, uh, written by Toshi Regan from the uh, record the Rejected Stone. Um, see if you can find that one. <laughs> and uh, The Sower, written by Bernice Johnson Regan, performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's 
Parable of the Sower. The music is so good, Toshi, like just as an aside, because as soon as you start saying that, oh, and then some of this, I'm like, a sower went up. Like, it's just so good that it's just, it's really like, Uh, it's right there. Like, oh yeah, the lesson of the music is right here. And you know what I have, which um, is absolutely extraordinary. So right when this started to happen, we, the, like everybody, almost everybody who's ever been in, in parable, um, recorded, we recorded the sower song together, like through our, through our, like, you know, through our video devices. And then it's going to be made into a, like, learn the sower song video. Um, and, uh, lots of things have happened. Try not to cry. So that video is not done yet, but I just mixed the soundtrack to it, um, with, uh, my, my buddy, John Davis, at Bunker Studio, and it's so beautiful, and like literally sat there boohooing from how amazing it was to have all these voices together. So that is coming oh so soon, oh so soon. The people are ready. The people are the ready. The people are ready. I'm ready. I yes. listened to it like 10 times, and I was like, I could do that again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, I'm like in my little baby musical place, but this past weekend, these earthy like song thing songlets started coming and what felt really different was i was just like i can just sit and listen to this like you recording yourself try to sing i recorded myself singing them and then i went back and i just kept listening and i was like often i get so caught up with like is my voice perfect and that keeps me from being able to actually hear Mm. and this just felt like i kicked into a different place of transmission where it's like it's actually not about getting the song perfect it's about hearing what this the the rhythm of this thing is supposed to be and the emotion of this thing is supposed to be and it's really comforting cuz i was like i need the earthy verses available to me as 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 a, available as they can be to me mm-hmm. so you know yeah. that's what i find is like um that's why i love the music that we already have in this show is that it's just like every single week the verses, the music, the words, it's all available to me. And so each of the songs, it's like, it makes the wisdom just more available and accessible. Mm, that's you powerful. Know? And I feel like that must be like what it was like when our ancestors were like spirituals. Like they didn't call it a yes. certain something. They just activated out of their conditions, out of their knowledge, out of their everything that yes. they could use to vibrate where they are. Um, to yeah. give themselves nourishment through journeys, yes, and and guidance, and guidance, and direction, and direction like, information, all of the yeah. things. Yes, yeah, beautiful. I love you. I love you too, love. There's a new world coming. Every time-